the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 467 for Sunday, September 22nd, 2013. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, the show where you send in questions, tips, and cool stuff found. We share the answers, tips, and cool stuff found, and together we all try to learn a lot new each and every time we come together here in Durham, New Hampshire on this rainy Sunday morning. I'm Dave Hamilton. Uh, and here in uh, uh, previously rainy <laughs> uh, Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. How you doing, John F. Braun? So did you, uh, big excitement uh, this week, of course, Apple released all kinds of things, new iOS, new iTunes, and we will talk about both those things, and new iPhone uh, 5Ss and, of course, 5Cs uh, both hit the shelves yes. on Friday. We probably and won't talk much about the latter because neither one of us has ours in hand, but I believe, John, you did order an iPhone yes. 5S. Okay. So hold on. Everybody hold on to their chair. Yes, I am getting some cutting edge hardware here so i um <laughs> so i decided so i went through the you know i didn't do it at the crack of dawn like all the other crazy people i, I read there were limited you know uh, uh limited I, I can con- i can speak to that because i was up at the crack of dawn but yeah go ahead okay if, 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 yeah, if, yeah i know some people ha- yeah. i think some people had issues ordering and that the systems were kind of sluggish so um i was going to do it through the apple store because um Discover was offering a five percent cash back on purchases from the Apple Store, but at the last minute, I read their terms and conditions, and it said not for the iPhone five S or five C. I'm like, okay, forget that. So I went to the Verizon store, logged into my account, clicked on upgrade. Um, we actually, uh, I actually took screenshots of this uh, in the past for an article that John had uh, put up, yep. showing you how to do this. So I, I already been through it, um, and I decided to get the five uh, uh, S Space Gray, okay, uh, thirty two gigabytes. Good. Even though my current phone is 16 and I'm okay with that, you you convinced me that I it, it's better to have more RAM than less RAM. But you certainly can't upgrade it down the road. Um, Not easily. <laughs> yeah. Well, as we discussed, I mean, yeah, if I can get to the RAM chip, but no. Oh. Yeah, you're, you're correct. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, especially surface mount upgrades aren't. Yeah, yeah, it's not my thing. Oh, dude, um, you, you need like a what is that? It's a solder bath, but it's not called a solder bath. It's a, 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 a well, they actually have special uh, surface mount desoldering tools. I have seen people do this sort yeah. of work, but it's uh, it's very difficult. It's, it's not, not meant for people. No. Well, well this is done by machines. Good, good All people. right. But to yeah. continue. So so I ordered that and then I also ordered it with the uh, the uh, Apple case. Oh, you did uh, get the Apple case. OK, I'm curious. Well, they had it. That. Yeah. Oddly enough, you know, it's funny because I think it's 39 bucks on the Verizon site. It was $39 and 97 cents. I'm not quite sure why they had to tack on that extra 97 special, cents. Special surcharge. That's right. <laughs> well, there was also a $30 upgrade surcharge. You know, I mean, they, they so um, so I got that. And then I also decided to go through them. So uh, they, they have a uh, trade in deal like a lot of people. And it's not just Verizon devices. They'll actually give you. Uh, yeah. And they actually gave me the best offer I could get. They uh, they claim they'll give me a hundred bucks for my iPhone 4s 16 gig, and I'm like, well, that's Sweet. the best I can do. I just uh, I can only spend it on Verizon stuff, right? Just, but you just spent money on Verizon stuff yeah. anyway, so there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, other than that, Gazelle had the best price that I saw. So oh, interesting. Just to uh, you know say uh, nice things about them, and I had one person spam me on Twitter actually saying, oh, you can go to this other place and get forty bucks more, and he was lying because they, they offer like, yeah, forty bucks less, right? <laughs> 
So I blocked them. And then, um, so yeah, so I, 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 I just want to mention one other thing very quickly. So I also got very close to this and I think they're hinging on people's, uh, uh, I don't know, because of all the events that are happening here. I actually got a voicemail claiming to be from Verizon, telling me to go to this website to get a $60 credit. Uh, it was bogus. No, 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 well, no. That, no. Well, it sounded well. Number one, okay. Uh, so number one, I looked up the one eight hundred number that came up on my screen, and it was Verizon's one eight hundred customer support number. All right. So they yeah. managed to fake the caller ID, and then the message sounded. Uh, you know, it didn't sound like it was somebody in another part of the world. It sounded, and they were like, you know, thank you. For, I mean, it sounded. It was pretty well done, and then it directed you to a web page that looked like a Verizon page, and they wanted to. You know, they're they're fishing for your username and password, but I. Uh, that's uh, didn't fall for it. And I actually called Verizon and said, hey, you better shut this down. And last I checked, they actually shut the site down. Okay. So, uh, so yay, me. Good. And I said, you know, in exchange for this, you may want to give me a, that $60 credit. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, right. Good <laughs> hey, that's good. Heads up. I like that. That You'll never get it if you don't ask. I like it. That's good. Yeah. So I, um, I, I, was, I had been up late. Wednesday night, like probably three, three thirty Eastern, uh, it just because I was, I don't know, messing around the computer or whatever. And, uh, so I couldn't stay up, uh, on, on Thursday night to hit the, the 3 a.m. thing. So I went to sleep at like 1130, which is actually kind of early for me. And then I did, I woke up at quarter to three, got online and I saw a couple of things which are, uh, uh, uh potentially helpful for people in the future. Number one was that starting about an hour before I got to my computer. So, you know, about an hour before three people were saying that they were able to go to Best Buy's website and uh, mm-hmm. reserve iPhone 5S's for pickup in store on Friday. So essentially, you know, same day pickup. Uh, I immediately tried that when I saw that happening on Twitter, but none of the stores near me had any stock whatsoever. But, you know, like Matt Panzerino was able to get, he reserved like a gold, you know, 5S and 64 gig or whatever. It was like exactly what he wanted. So, um, so I, you know, I figured, okay, fine. Uh, that doesn't exist. So for me, so uh, moving forward, uh, I had the Apple webpage loading. I had the AT&T site loading. And then um, I had remembered in the past, Adam Christensen from MacCast told me he had success ordering an iPhone on launch day from his Apple store app on his iPhone. So at about five of maybe three of 3 a.m. Apple's site was still offline. The the store in the app was, you know, the, the Apple store on the app was still offline. But AT&T was up, uh, but they said shipping. I wanted to get a gold one because if I don't, how else are my friends going to know I'm better than them? Right. So I got to have the gold one. No, I just wanted to try the gold because it's different. So uh, really, what's that? Really? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I've, but I've, you know, I, I'm, I'm over the whole white thing because I've had white iPhones on and off for years. I actually really kind of like the white. It's, it, it's clean and crisp and, and all that good stuff. So, so the gold adds a little bit of, you know, bling to it or whatever. So, uh, so I wanted to get the gold one, but I knew that that was going to be in short supply because I talked to my AT&T local store and my local Apple store. And they said, yeah, the AT&T store had no gold ones. The Apple store said we've got like four so I knew this was going to be a, a tough thing, but uh, AT&T online was saying seven to 28 days. And I'm like, well, what kind of range is that? You know, thank you very much. Apple's website was still saying offline in every language known to man. And so I at about one of 3 a.m., I happened to check on my uh, in the Apple store app on my iPhone. And it was like, yep, 
orders, you know, available. So I went right through, did my whole AT&T upgrade thing right in the app. Um, for me, regular shipping and expedited shipping were not only the same estimated delivery date of September 30th, but um, but there was no cost delta. And I actually called Apple later on after I'd placed my order and they said, yeah, your, yours is like first in the queue. So don't mess with it. You'll get it, you know. But um, but I placed the whole order. It took about 90 seconds to place the order in the uh, in the Apple Store app. And I was pretty much finished ordering by the time Apple's website came up. And then, of course, within about three minutes, it shipped from or it slipped from offering one to three day shipping on the uh, or one to three day. Uh, yeah. Shipping on the on the gold ones to seven to ten days. And then within about 20 minutes, it was October. So. So oh. it worked out well. Yeah. Yeah. Mine. I'm not sure it says. So it's processing now. So I got a confirmation email. Of, yeah. You know, minutes after I ordered it. Sure. And then they and they say ship date ten uh, seven. I don't know if that means I'm going to get it on the seventh or they're going to put it in in the mail on the seventh. I'm My guess is I that is the, the, the latest date that they will put it in the mail. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, hope to get it before then. The, yeah. the only other thing is so so the process that I went through. So just to, to warn people who haven't ordered yet, but. So when I was picking plans, so the, the, the good news is that my bill is going to be the same. Uh, the bad news is the, well, the features have changed a little bit. So I still have the same voice plan, which they have a, I think it's called America's Choice 450, which for me is fine. Um, but then they said, oh, sorry, your old phone has unlimited. We don't do that anymore. Right. Uh, why don't you get for the same, and again, for the same amount of money for the data plan, I got the two gig plan. And I think they offer some that are even less than that because historically my usage is, is typically below that, but I'm yep. like, yeah, let me try that. And yeah, but my, my usage is typically below 500 wow. megabytes a month. But now um, you, but now you can do, because you aren't, uh, on the unlimited plan, you have the ability to do. Uh, Wi-Fi and USB and Bluetooth tethering with uh, with your new phone. I'm going to have to see that because they did identify it as a as a. a I mean, yeah. my current phone. If I try to activate it, it says, "Sorry, call Verizon to activate this." So right. I, but I believe, yeah. But from what I understand, the newer phone, I can now do that. It well, it's because of your plan. To pay extra, right? If you had changed your plan, oh, on that your I have that I have phone. a tiered that I have a tiered data plan. Now. That's it. Yeah. Correct. Oh. Correct. Yeah, because you could have done it with your iPhone 4. My my kids do it all the time. Um, and my son has an iPhone 4, though. As soon as the 5S arrives, he's he's going to join the ranks of iPhone 5 uh, owners. So he's still No, I didn't, that. Brian. Brian said no. What are you talking about, John? Talking about. Remember, they remember 99.9% of the people in can't the chat see the room, chat room. Brian, Brian says I got ripped off or, uh, well... He says I get screwed. I don't think I got screwed. No, I, I, it, it, I'm not going to pay any more per month. So I, I, it's the best decision. That now I think if you if you do purchase the phone with a lot of providers, um, and I think in the case of Verizon, if I did purchase the phone outright for this phone, I think is seven hundred something. Yeah, uh, then I think right. you can you can retain the unlimited data plan. But to me, that was not the best option. Mm. So, all right. So uh, with. I and 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 so we got our iPhones. So that's the we're, we're done with that for now. We'll talk about them as time goes on. Um, mm -hmm. With that, uh, iOS seven, of course, came out earlier this week. We have a slew of tips that we're going to talk about with iOS seven uh, a little bit later in the show. Things that things that aren't potentially aren't obvious. Uh, they're not overly hidden, but uh, but you things you may not stumble across in in your average everyday. Uh, iPhone life and they might make a difference. So we've got, we've got some of that coming up, but first before you could use iOS seven, if you were updating from your Mac, 
you have to update to iTunes 11.1. And because uh, we love you, A, and B, uh, we need to stop the flow of email into our inbox about this. We're going to address this right up front. Uh, we first of all, we didn't cause any of the podcast changes in iTunes 11.1. That's all on Apple's shoulders. But uh, but we have been investigating it because we've been hearing from so many of you about how Apple screwed it all up. And we'll start with a question from Michael that uh, sort of illustrates the problem or begins to illustrate the problem. And then we'll go on and, and it'll get much worse. But we'll we'll talk about this. So uh, the first thing Michael asked is, is there any way to sort my podcast alphabetically like in the previous version of iTunes? So iTunes gets a little bit crazy now uh, when with podcasts, they've made, again, a lot of changes. And the first thing you'll notice when you launch iTunes and you go to the podcast section, you have two options that you can check before you continue in. One says sync podcast subscriptions, settings and stations, which on the surface sounds great, right? And it does. It'll sync amongst all your Macs and all your iOS devices, but there's a huge caveat there. So it's not as great as you might think. Bear with us. And then number two is automatically download new episodes for your subscriptions, uh, which again, you know, that that's uh, fairly, uh, fairly self-explanatory. So, um, if you choose to sync, it will get all of your podcast subscriptions and pull them in. Um, and that's when things get crazy. You have four tabs now at the top of podcasts and iTunes. You have unplayed. You have my podcasts. You have my stations, which is actually kind of cool, which you've had on iOS for a while. And it will sync. And then also list. Uh, the list view is probably the one that's most like what you've come from before. It has the the the, uh, the list of all your podcasts with the little triangle next to them, and you can open and close the triangle to see all the episodes inside there. Uh, one piece of advice that I will give you is if you uh, if you want to open or close all of the triangles, you certainly can go down the list and, and do it. But if you click on any one triangle while holding down the command key, it will re it will set all of them to whatever that one will be set to. So if, if the one you're on is closed and you command click on it, it will twist that one open and twist all of them open. And conversely, if the one you are going to click on is open and you command click on the triangle, it will close all all of them. So that can be really handy to sort of, you know, start managing this list. So that's where you're going to get your, you have your ability to get alphabetical order. The, my podcasts view uh, is not in, well, it's not in any obvious order. It is in what I'll call your order and you can drag this around. So if you have a show that uh, you want to be near the top, just go and drag it to the top and you can resort this uh, any which way you choose. So, so that's the, that's the good part. Um, one issue and this, it's so, it gets so crazy. So, uh, let's see, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think about the right way to do this. We'll, we'll skip the sinking thing because that, that, that we'll deal with that in the next question. So uh, if you want to delete podcast episodes, 
it gets a little bit crazy because iTunes treats podcasts as cloud-based content. So you either have a copy of it locally or you don't, but the episode always still exists. So it follows this iCloud or iTunes in the cloud paradigm, but it, which is a little weird because those of us that listen to podcasts, which I assume is all of you, um, if you happen to use iTunes, which I realize is not all of you, uh, you download it. And then you listen to it and you delete it and away it goes. That's not necessarily the case anymore, at least in terms of the way iTunes UI shows you. And there's a great it's actually kind of funny. There's a great article in Apple's discussions uh, forum where someone listed a bunch of tips. And one of the tips was if you delete a podcast, they'll download again the next time you sync. Instead, you have to mark them as played and then resync. And then they start getting rid of themselves in uh, in iTunes. So that's uh, that's that's how that how that goes. It's going to if you use iTunes to manage your podcast and I'm not sure there's anything better on the Mac, although downcast for the Mac is an interesting uh, option and may uh, may actually see a, a great surge in sales now because of the changes here. So you can also use smart playlists to manage your podcast. Right. If you, you make a smart playlist about the media kind um I'm sorry, I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind here. Instacast for the Mac. I didn't mean Downcast for the Mac. I don't think there is Downcast. I did mean Instacast for the Mac. So thank you, uh, whoever it was in the chat room that just said that. Hello to everybody in the chat room at MacGeekab.com/stream. But anyway, if you use, if if you don't like any of the views that Apple has given you, you can use smart playlists to manage your podcasts. And so you would set a smart playlist up in iTunes. File new smart playlist, and then go to Media Kind equals Pod. Or, you know, set one of your criteria as Media Kind equals Podcast. And set your second criteria as plays equals zero. Now, you want to say if it matches all of these conditions, not any, uh, because otherwise it will just, you know, pull up everything. But um, but if you set, you know, podcasts that you haven't played yet, that will have a nice, tidy, smart playlist for you. It might actually work out quite well. So we will put the link to this in the chat room because it's a great or in the in the show notes. We'll put it in the chat room, too. But those of you listening at home don't care. Uh, so. So there's that. Why? You know, every time they update iTunes, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, other software that they update tends to improve with age. Yeah. <laughs> iTunes is the only piece of software where I dread the update because I know they're going to screw something up in that something that I was used to in the prior version is now going to get changed. And then I have to figure out how to do it again. And this was no exception. Yeah. I think when you started up. The update, it would say, oh, let me tell you about podcasts. Like it gave you this big screen saying, here, click on this button to look in the podcast category. I'm like, I, I, I know where that is. Why are you hiding what was there before, which was my list of the podcasts? So, yeah, they, they, I don't know what that. They, they I just got to scrap it and start from scratch. I, I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, it's funny because, you, you know, we we talk about. Apple being more than just the devices, right? I mean, it, a big part of what Apple's, um, uh, what I'll call their their competitive advantage, right? For lack of a better term, a big part of that is the whole cloud thing, right? You know, the fact that they have, you know, not only do you have this device, but it's linked to the biggest, you know, music, movies, and uh, online bookstore in the world, right? Or whatever, you know, it might not be the biggest bookstore, but you, you get my point, right? There's this the cloud stuff and the cloud syncing and all that stuff. And for a lot of it, not all of it, but for a lot of it, iTunes is the hub for that on your Mac. And it sucks. It's just so bad. And it gets worse and slower. But anyway, so there's that. 
Now, about this syncing thing with podcasts, this is, this is where I get why they did what they did, and I think it's terrible. Uh, and so, uh, Anthony, what did I do to myself here? Now I can't read. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, Anthony writes, I hope you can help. In short, my family share a single iTunes account to share apps. This has been fine for the past two and a half years. As of the recent update, sharing a single iTunes account also forces the merging of podcasts between devices. So my wife gets my 20 tech podcasts. I get my wife's 20 cooking podcasts. And if we had kids, we'd both be getting dozens of My Little Pony podcasts. Further, when one watches, deletes or unsubscribes to a podcast, it propagates that status across all devices and through iTunes on all computers, whether the other person has watched that episode yet or not. The time to sort this out was not insignificant. Then to only have it all remerged a short time later when it all resynced. The solution, as suggested by an Apple by Apple support, is that each person have their own iTunes or Apple ID uh, an account. Of course, this would then require each account to repurchase apps for its individual device. This can be quite costly. Is this a new way for Apple to gain revenue? As further suggested by Apple support, each family member could temporarily log into the main iTunes account to gain access to new and updated apps. Sadly, this will force a merge of all podcasts at the same time. I cannot believe Apple would do this intentionally. I honestly believe even they do not feel uh, they got the short end of the revenue stick where they feel the need to uh, figuratively hork their customers and i'm editorializing on the way oh not family friendly at all okay but i get it anthony because you're mad and doggone it you're not gonna take it anymore so when i read anthony's email i had not dug into the podcast syncing much and i thought oh no 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 clearly they wouldn't make you do this by the account that you're signed into the itunes store with they would sync with icloud because by golly that's what icloud is is for Applications, any application, third party or Apple can store data as a documents and data in the cloud. And all it has to store is a, a tiny little preferences file that lists all your podcasts and when you've listened to what episode or whatever. And just let that sync across all your devices, because guess what? It already does. And uh, and then you're good to go. And each person in the family can have a separate iCloud account, which you should anyway, but still then share the one iTunes account for managing all your apps. Not so found Dave as uh, I I logged into my iTunes account on my son's iPod touch and watched all of my podcasts sync. And as my son, so uh, astutely pointed out, he's like, well, of course that's what they have to do because where else are they going to store this data? And of course my argument is iCloud, but he says, you know, you're logged into your iTunes account in iTunes. You're logged into your iTunes account on your devices. So the data is right there. Now, again, why Apple has this awesome thing called iCloud and chooses not to use it is, uh, well, it's telling, isn't it? It's uh, no great surprise that companies like Barebones with Yojimbo have also chosen not to use it. But for this little bit of data, it actually kind of makes sense. So I don't know why Apple wouldn't. But anyway, that he, Anthony is unfortunately right, John. It means that you can't share an iTunes account if you want to sync podcasts amongst your devices using Apple's ecosystem. Now, um, you can go in on your iPhone and go into setting and I, and, and when I say iPhone, I mean iPad and iPod touch as well. Uh, you go into the settings app, 
And if you have their podcast app installed, you will see a settings for podcasts right below where the uh, like music and videos stuff is. And in there, there is an option that says sync subscriptions. So you can turn that off. Now, that removes the ability to obviously sync subscriptions. But hey, at least it solves this problem of you propagating your My Little Pony podcast to, uh, you know, and merging them with with Mac Geek Gab and Mac Cast and Mac OS Ken and all that other good stuff you listen to. So uh, I, there is no great answer here other than forget about using Apple's podcasts app. Use something like Downcast or Instacast for multiple shows or, you know, get the apps for individual shows like Mac Geekab or Mac OS Ken or anything like that. And uh, and just do it that way. I, I I hope that Apple will fix this. I would like to say I imagine Apple will fix this, but I'm not convinced. I mean, there's a lot of people screaming and moaning about this. Let's let's get that straight. Uh, our email box, all of my email boxes, not just the Mac Geekab boxes, but like my inbox and everything. It was like, dude, yeah, I get it. Okay. Okay. Got it. We have a problem. You know, we will talk about it in the show. I promise. I promise. But there's really yeah. no great answers. So I had the same feeling of dread. The other thing is during the, uh, uh, so to, to their credit, when you upgrade to iOS seven, they do warn you about some of the new functionality. We'll of course go into more detail later. Yeah. But one thing they said, I noticed when I was doing this, they're like, Oh, by the way, uh, podcasts aren't in the music app anymore. You got to download our crummy app. I, I don't think they said, Pod, but podcasts haven't been in the music app for, for two builds of the iOS. Right? Oh, I'm sorry. In a, in a different place. Yeah. 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 But they've always been in the podcast app. I don't think that's an iOS. That's not an iOS seven thing that, that I mean, certainly we had the podcast app in iOS six, uh, for the last year or more. Well, I didn't have it. Huh. But I could still get to them. Interesting. Okay, so you hadn't. Okay, so now you you're forced to use the podcast app. Okay, interesting. Right, that's what I'm saying. Okay, no, I'm almost positive that they were accessed through a, a no. different category. I thought it was music. All right. Yeah. No. No. I mean, maybe maybe in the store, but um, but no. The yeah. Anyway, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. But no. To wrap it up. Yeah. I mean, they they basically said once I upgraded to uh, to seven, they're like, yeah, if you want to access your podcast, you got to download our app. Mm-hmm. And yeah, didn't make me happy. So I'm not happy with that. And I'm not happy with, with iTunes and we are not alone and we will help you get over the trauma. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's probably going to be just alternatives. Uh, so, and there is Instacast for, um, for the Mac. I, am I, am I crazy there? There, I mean, well, don't answer that question. No, there we go. Mark, Mark confirmed what I was, uh, I wasn't hallucinating. Go no, the, the podcasts were in the music app under iOS six. If you did not have the okay. podcast app installed. So yeah, okay. So, okay. All right. So there is Instacast for the Mac, and obviously also Instacast for iOS. Um, is there Downcast for the Mac, or am I going crazy? I, I could have sworn there was. Yeah. Downcast. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's available for the Mac as well. Okay. So I wasn't going crazy before. It. it the, both of them just happened to be uh, available for uh, Mac and iOS. Okay. Good. So, so there's two options for you right there. Uh, they have iOS counterparts. These folks have been doing this and uh, for a long time. Uh, both of these apps have been out well over a year, probably well over two years. Um, in fact, definitely over two years. And they, I, I think they both do a great job uh, of managing podcasts uh, and probably now we'll be able to start taking advantage of some of these background updates and that sort of thing so that they can be more like, you know, Apple's app. So you don't have to launch it to download new shows. You can have it download new things once a day or whatever. So it's good stuff. Um, and that's probably your answer is just forget about 
using iTunes and Apple stuff to manage your podcast and, and pick your favorite of uh, downcast or Instacast and, and go. So that's what I got. Uh, where are we on time here, John? I want to confirm something and then, uh, and then we can talk about uh, Iowa seven stuff, but, but uh, we'll, we'll jump around a little bit here. We got a note from, uh, and I'll, I, I, I'm going to leave the name out of it. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to, but we got a note from one of our friends um, at the fruit company at, and, and I know this goes back several shows back to show 461. We were talking about how uh, Jeff Quistot over at Backbeat Media had taken his iPhone 5 with a hairline crack in it to the Apple store, expecting to have to pay to get it fixed or replaced. And they just did it without without any hesitation whatsoever. And the confirmation is that if it is a single crack, it is covered by warranty. Uh it doesn't matter where the starting point or the finishing point is. It can be corner to corner, side to side, top to bottom, edge to edge. Um, it doesn't matter. However, if it's a single crack, Apple considers that a flaw and replaces it for you. However, if the crack forks into two at any point, that's where you cross the threshold to a paid repair. So, uh, so they, they, there you go. If you have an iPhone five or really any iPhone with a hairline crack in the screen, Take it in and do it quickly before the crack spreads to be more than one. Uh, so I just wanted to I wanted to get that out because I have a feeling we're going to go sort of off the rails. We've got some cool stuff found to talk about. We do have a bunch of iOS 7 tips. Oh, and uh, we have uh, well, we have all kinds of things. But I do want to talk about our first sponsor for this show, John, which is Connected Data and their transporter. The transporter is a device that you purchase uh, and put, and I've got, there's a deal. In fact, if you use the co coupon code MGG, you save 10% off. And when I start telling you about this, you can understand where that comes from and, and uh, or why, it, why it's such a good thing. Um, the transporter, it's a small little device. You plug it into your network. You can connect it Wi-Fi if you will, if you must, but, uh, but it's got an ethernet port. So you plug it into your network and it is the simplest way to get private cloud set up and running. Uh, there are lots of options for private cloud. We talk about them on the show all the time. Uh, but as in terms of getting set up and using it easily with friends uh, or coworkers, transporter is the easiest that I have found. And, uh, and let me explain. So you, you get this little device and you either get it with no drive and put your own drive in your own two and a half inch drive in, or you can get it with uh, one terabyte or two terabyte drive built in. And once you do that, then you install some software on your Mac, just like you would with, say, Dropbox client or something. And Dropbox is uh, what I would call public cloud in that the data is stored on their servers. With this, the data is stored on your server. So you get all the same kind of syncing and folder synchronization and all that stuff happening amongst all your computers and iOS devices. But the data lives at your home or office in this little uh, box called the transporter. So it's not ever stored anywhere else, which is the key to private cloud. So you get this little thing and the one with one terabyte is only 299 bucks. So, I mean, it's, this stuff is, you know, really inexpensive. Uh, and then you're up and running. Now, the cool part is I, you know, I, I plan a couple of bands and I wanted to share some videos with our, um, you know, with the with the guys, we had we had some stuff and we all have Dropbox accounts because we started this band long before Transporter ever uh, it was a glimmer in Jeff Barrel's eye. But uh, 
we, you know, and so sharing songs and, and uh, lyric sheets and stuff in Dropbox, some of the guys have two gig limits. Uh, as soon as we started putting videos in, everybody was complaining. So I said, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. I've got a transporter here. Let's just use that for the videos because I got a terabyte drive in it. Pretty sure that's going to work out for us. So. But I also have other solutions here, right? The, the transporter was absolutely the easiest because all I had to do was go to the transporter web interface, which is how you manage this thing and put in the email addresses of the other four guys in my band. Now, none of them have transporters at their homes. None of them have had ever used transporter with anyone else before. So this was start from scratch for each of the four of them. And they're smart guys uh, in their own rights. Some of them more technical than others, as you know, kind of happens when you get a group of people together. Every one of them was able to go online. I, and that was the end of it for me. Right. Then this is where it gets important. I put the email addresses in. I didn't have to create accounts for them. I didn't have to do anything. I said, share this folder with these four email addresses. And one by one, they, you know, they each got emails from transporters saying Dave Hamilton has invited you, blah, blah, blah. Uh, click on this link and get the process started through that. They did create their own transporter accounts and download the software. And then once they got the software, my network utilization went, you know, crazy here at the house as the videos were coming in and going out and syncing around to all these other people. And now everybody has what they need. And, uh, and it was that simple. And I, I will say that I tried to do this with other uh, private cloud kind of things and wasn't able to get that done with any of them with that, that level of ease. So it really, you know, if, if you want the easiest private cloud solution, transporter is it. So, as I said, the one terabyte version is two ninety nine. Uh, the two terabyte version is three ninety nine. And if you already have your own drive, you can get a bare transporter for just one ninety nine and put your own drive in it. Any one of those prices can drop by 10 percent. With the coupon code MGG, so that means a one terabyte transporter Drops by almost 30 bucks down to, you know, 270 ish, um, maybe a little less and uh, and so on and so forth. So uh, so pretty big savings there. And uh, and I encourage you to check it out. File transporter dot com. And your coupon code is M G G file transporter. Yeah, mine, mine sent me an email this week, Dave. It did. Well, we had a, uh, I didn't realize it at first, but I was, uh, well, one morning I was uh, working on my computer and it was daytime and I was, uh, I think, wrapping up the show notes and uh, all of a sudden it took me a while to realize that we had lost power. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I plugged in my, uh, you know, so I didn't have Wi-Fi, so I plugged in my, uh, my clear dongle and got some 4G action going. And then I got an email shortly thereafter from my transporter saying, hey, um, you know, something may be up. You may want to make sure it's plugged in and uh, and the network connection's good. So, uh, yeah. so it's nice that it monitors its health. And if something's wrong, uh, it'll tell you about it. That, that I think is a nice feature. That's great. I like it. Oh, that's good. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good stuff. It um, and it's, you know, it's built for average. I, I really would say that I would have no hesitation recommending this to the average user. Uh, who wants to have some sort of private cloud solution. It, it's just, it's super easy to get it up and running. So mm -hmm. good stuff. Okay. Uh, earlier this week, John, uh, when iOS seven came out, I, I published an article, which uh, certainly at this point in time is the most popular article that I've ever published in terms of the number of people have read it. I think we're topping over 400,000 
uh, people that have read it at this point in time and it wow. doesn't seem to be slowing down. Yeah, no, which is good. Um, uh, I like it. Uh, you know, it obviously uh, struck a chord with, with many and the article was uh, uh, about new and hard to find settings in iOS seven um, that really I had started kind of building for this show and then thought, well, we should publish this too. And I'm, and I'm glad I did. Um, but there's a couple of things that get interesting. So uh, John and I are going to go through some of our favorites from these, uh, from, from these, uh, from these tips and others. And so uh, we'll, we'll also be paying attention to the chat room and try and fold in your tips sort of real time here as we go through this and bear with us because it's going to be a little crazy, but there's some good stuff. But John, you, uh, you uh, will start with one that, um, uh, a listener tweeted to you about when she was having trouble installing iOS seven because she didn't have enough space on her device. And she found a very interesting solution to that. Yes. And uh, yeah, so I got to thank her. So Stacy actually uh, was, uh, we were exchanging tweets here because um, so the one thing is that if you want to upgrade um, or install, or I think upgrade as well to iOS seven, you need at least three gigabytes, uh, three to three and a half gigabytes, I think is what I've read, uh, of free space. And you can see that, of course, if you go to, well, I think you can see it in the device itself, but you could also see it through iTunes where you're going to see a bar showing your free space. And um, Stacy is a heavy user of messages. Um, I'm not, I don't know if you are, Dave. Um, oh, but yeah. specifically what she does is that she uses messages and often embeds either uh, graphics or movies. And she was like, you know, I've, I've tried to clean everything out that I could, but I'm still running, you know, I still have quite three gigs free. And then I'm like, well, you know, you should go into the, you know, the part of iOS that tells you uh, where, you know, how much memory each app is using and just see if messages is using it. And she's like, no, didn't see it. And um, and also I was like, well, maybe try something like phone clean to, uh, you know, uh, uh, clear things out. And it, that didn't find it either. As it turns out, at least in her case, iOS 6 does not properly identify uh, space taken up by the messages app. Makes sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but, but it, it, of course the app is going to take up space if you've got all this MMS type stuff coming in. Yeah. Right. And so what she did is I think she, yeah, she got in there, she deleted a number of the, the larger items, I would assume movies or, or pictures or both. Yep. And eventually uh, she showed three gigs of free space. Now weird, the weird thing though, is that once she upgraded, to uh, iOS 7, then the messages app uh, would show up in the part of, uh, I don't have it specifically, I, but I got then it. the messages app would report how much memory it was using. So the, 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 I don't know if it's a bug in, well, it's a bug in six, I think, because it didn't show it. Well, we've talked in the past about what iTunes, uh, sorry, what iOS lumps in as, you know, OS storage or other right and and i think it was just lumping messages in with that so which which you know i get why that decision was made but in retrospect i also get that it was the wrong decision no uh, it wasn't it wasn't showing the space in her other category based, based on what she said it, it just didn't show it so so she made the right guess that that was the the thing hogging the memory and no no, no. i she, mean if she had plugged into itunes it would have been part of that other category 
I mean, it would have to have been. I okay, all right. It, Perhaps it, it was. Yeah, so. it would, okay. I mean, it has to be reported somewhere, right? iTunes right. adds it up. So, I mean, but but yeah, no, it's good that, that now it it uh, it does that. So the reason, and I know I'm going to guess that most of you have already updated iOS seven, but the reason you need or needed that three gigs for the over the air update versus the if you did it direct with iTunes is the following: the update itself compressed the download. I should say is uh, 800 megs or so. So you've got to download 800 megs onto your phone. So you need 800 right there. Then your phone needs to decompress, unpack, unzip that download. uh, And it needs space for the original download and the unzipped version while it's doing the unzipping and the unzipping. If it's compressed means that the unzipped version is probably larger than 800 megs. So, you know, you're going from 800 to, you know, maybe, maybe that's where the space is to two gigs or something like that. So now you need 2.8 gigs or more. If everything's compressed, then it can go and delete the original download, but it still needs to install the update uh, and, and move files and copy files around. So you, you know, you've got all this, what I'll call temporary storage that's necessary. And and that number is 3.1 gigs. On a 16 gig iPhone, that can be a very tight thing. And that's why uh, I think John said you, you said you updated yours just by letting iTunes do the work. And that means you used your Mac as the temporary storage instead of your iPhone. And uh, and that works great. OK. All right. Let's start with some of these uh, little tips and tricks and see where we get. Uh, one interesting thing that uh, that we'll start with is. What I'll call better do not disturb settings. Have you ever had your iPhone on do not disturb and uh, been checking mail or something? And while you're checking mail, somebody happens to send you a text message and the noise chimes. That's because do not disturb previously only worked when the phone was locked. Once you unlocked it and started interacting with it, it would uh, send you all your alert noises as if your phone was not in do not disturb. So if it was muted, then it would not have sent uh, the noises. But if you had it unmuted, but in do not disturb, it would have if the phone was unlocked. Now, if you go into settings, do not disturb in iOS seven at the bottom of that, you have a little option that says only when phone is locked or always. And uh, to me, it seems like always should be the default uh, but, uh, but certainly for me, I, I happily went and set that there and, um, uh, and I'm, and I'm much happier about it. I showed it to my daughter and she's like, Oh, they finally did it. I'm like, yeah, that's good. That's good. So, so there's that, um, John chime in if you've got any or, uh, or anything, oh. I'm, I'm just going to go well, through. I got one. Okay. Go. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, I got one that I observed and actually it was when, um, after I had upgraded, I, I wanted to uh, call you, but, um, uh, the contacts uh, are listed uh, with, uh, I believe, information that was not on the iOS, iOS, iOS 6. Good morning. <laughs> Screen. <laughs> so uh, the presentation is, uh, is nicer. Yeah, I think it makes more sense. Now, I think all the information was there before. But for example, here, it'll show me, you know, I'm looking at your entry and it'll show them. But it also has like next to one of your entries, it has both a little telephone and a little chat balloon. Right. Because it shows that that number, at least for... When you and I communicate, that's the one that you have registered for uh, for uh, messages and then it has an explicit FaceTime one. So um, now, again, I don't think it's any additional info. It's just laid out better, I yep. think. 
So you mentioned FaceTime, John, uh, which reminded me of something I didn't put on the list. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. FaceTime used to just be video. Now FaceTime, Mm -hmm. you can do audio. And that's sort of a big deal because if you just want to have a phone conversation with somebody, uh, even let's say while you're driving, right, you can now do it over FaceTime, a higher voice quality by far than you'd get over, uh, you know, regular uh, phone yeah, because it's like 8K or something on the phone, whereas FaceTime, I think, does 24K. Uh, so, you know, like Skype, you can now do audio co- audio only calls if you wish with FaceTime, which is which could be a really big deal. I'm not sure how the carriers will feel about it, although the carriers are moving away from selling minutes to selling data anyway. So they may uh, actually love this. So that could, oh be a, could be a good thing. They're coming to get you, John, coming to take yeah. you away. Ha ha. <laughs> um, speaking <laughs> while on the subject of callers. Apple now includes a blocked callers list or a, 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 a callers to be blocked. It is a you access it and it, it makes sense. But I always hate this kind of thing because I don't like three ways to get to the same list. That's bad UI design, in my opinion. But I get why they did it. And I'm not sure I have a better answer for them. So uh, you can get to this either in the phone messages or FaceTime sections of the settings app. Uh, and it is blocked callers uh, and you can go in there and you can add anyone that's in your address book, uh, which is handy. Or you can go if you go into phone um, or even messages and go to a uh, a uh, recent list in your in your phone. You can see people. And if you see a number that called you, you can hit the little eye next to it. And if you go all the way down, you can say block this caller that will block them from SMS, from phone calls and from FaceTime calls. If they leave a voicemail for you, I believe that will still come through. So it just won't ring when they call you, which is awesome. Uh, you know, especially for SMS messages. I mean, sometimes you get those spam things and you're like, how did I get on this list? And and you just block it. And that's the end of it. So. It will well, not bother probably, you Probably, actually, this is a tip that I want to mention again, because every, now and, every once in a blue moon, I will get a spam uh, text. Mm-hmm. Typically, what you can do with most providers is if you forward it to them, um, and I believe the uh, number you forward to forward it to is the word spam, and I'm trying to find the numerical. Uh, let me look here. Verizon SMS spam. Uh, so this is something that'll help them out. And it's typically free if you do this. Um, yeah. How to report a spam text on Verizon. Uh, put, you put a link in the show notes. Seven, 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 two, six. Yes. Which spells spam. Okay. Uh, and I think the other, other, uh, other cell phone companies offer a very similar thing. So if you do get SMS spam, it won't prevent you from getting it, but maybe it'll take it off your bill and, uh, well, it'll find the source of it and shut it down. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, we mentioned last week the multiple from address management thing that uh, is now on iOS, so we won't revisit that. But um, one thing with the camera, uh, we might go through a couple things with the camera, but but one of them that is interesting and has changed is I, I had gotten in the habit to steady my shots. I'd gotten in the habit of lining up my shot with my camera, putting my finger squarely on the shutter button, getting it all lined up. And then removing my finger when I wanted to take the picture. This meant that I wasn't tapping my phone 
and causing the phone to jolt the moment that the picture was happening by getting my finger on the shutter button, lining it up, and then, you know, just casually removing my finger. There was no last minute jitters on the phone and it would take good pictures. When I did this for the first time with iOS 7, I got about 20 pictures because it now has the the iPhone 5S has, I guess what I'll call a burst mode. Um, Every other iPhone has what's called continuous shooting mode. And that's what I was in. So by putting my finger on the shutter button, it was taking, you know, three pictures a second or something like that. Right up until the moment that I told it to stop by lifting my finger off the shutter button. To my knowledge, there's no way to disable or toggle this particular feature. So you just sort of stuck with it, uh, come up with a different way to uh, to steady your shots. And, you know, you can use the plus button at the top to, you know, to fire your pictures off. And that uh, that may be a better, better option. I just need to get used to doing that. Um, so there you go. It gets a little crazy. Speaking of toggles while we're jumping around, uh, as you've those of you that have updated to iOS 7 or those of you that will have noticed all the. UI has changed. Of course, it's this very flat UI, but uh, the buttons to, or the sliders to turn things on or off, the toggle sliders uh, get green when something is on and, and just stay white when something is off. Uh, being a geek, I think in ones and zeros. And uh, and so what you can do and John, you'll love this. Right. So so do this with me if you can, John. Do you have your iPhone up? I am playing along with this studio audience. Outstanding. So go into settings, please, for me. Yep. Go to uh, general, my friend, please. General, my friend. Yes. Okay, good. Or just general from what most of us have. Yep. Uh, And then go to accessibility. And there's some cool stuff in accessibility for everyone, not just folks who have uh, an issue, you know, uh, Oh, I've been here. I'll tell you about, I'll tell you about the piece that, that okay. And so, uh, in the second section, uh, at the bottom of it, there is on off labels and it is off for you. If you turn it on, uh, not only do all of your labels become, uh, the, the, you know, the on stay green and the off stay white, but it puts a little one by the ones that are on and a zero, by the ones that are off. And I've gotten very accustomed to this now. Uh, my car actually does this too. So it's, it's sort of a, you know, it's a, it's a holdover from that for me, but, uh, but I like it. It's very geeky cause it's one and zero and I understand it and it's uh, it's very visual. So, yeah. Yeah. Which of course is binary, which is the language that all digital computers speak underneath the covers. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Now, actually, there's some other uh, useful stuff on the screen, too, as well, Dave. So uh, another thing that that I've had more than one person, typically people that are getting along in years or may not have perfect vision, is that the font that they're using in iOS 7 uh, may not be entirely readable or as easily readable. So uh, on that same screen, Dave, uh, are two options here, which I believe you touched on, but I see them here. So I'm going to spit them out. Go. Ew. Uh, Larger type and bold text are in that same accessibility screen. And some people uh, uh, may need that again, uh, especially if you're on a smaller screen, that may, uh, that may make sense. And then the other thing on the screen, Dave, that I looked at, uh, let's see. So yeah, so I've been noticing uh, on my iPhone four, um, my home button has uh, required increased effort to, uh, to press as of late. 
Don't tell Verizon that because they're going to give you a hundred dollar credit for it, thinking that it works fine. But go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, it works fine. It just requires a, a little more effort. Yeah. No, I mean, all the questions that they ask me on the appraisal is fine. They're like, does it turn on? And uh, can you get to the home screen? And uh, are there any chips or scratches? And uh, okay, okay. No, yeah, I, moving, uh, moving back to the tips. I didn't mean to tangentialize us. Yes, go. Yeah, cut it out. Uh, but no, they have a thing here called, let's see, I do believe it's called assistive touch. Okay. And what that does is when you, when you invoke that, uh, you'll see a little uh, circle appear on your screen. And if you press that, it will then bring up another screen that, among other things, one thing is it will let you, using the touch screen, virtually press the home button. Yeah, that's not new, though. That's been there for several iOS No, it's versions. not. I, okay. I thought I'd mention it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There may be other people uh, that's in, true. in the same boat here with, yeah. a, with a sticky or not, uh, not fully functioning home button yep. that may want to uh, use that. So, no, it's not new, but it's a... Uh, uh, I found a need to uh, explore it. Uh, yeah, I'm right. not really happy with it because it does take up space on the screen. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yep. Though it dims it after a while, which is kind of neat too. So, uh, all right. All right. Um, you know, one thing I'll point out because I didn't really grok how cool this was until uh, it was actually Adam that told me, you know, check it out. You'll you'll like it. Is AirDrop all right? So we've had AirDrop on the Mac for a while. AirDrop on iOS seven does not yet work with the Mac. So there's the great divide still there. Um, and like on the Mac, it only works with devices that allow their Wi-Fi circuits to go, I believe, into what's called promiscuous mode, which means uh, hmm. creating their own ad hoc networks in addition to being connected to whatever local network, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the, what happens with AirDrop is you can set your iPhone up to be an eligible recipient of airdrop data. And so if let's say you did this now, your iPhone four does not support airdrop. I believe the five is the first one to right. Right. And, uh, and I think the iPad four and mini and, and of course anything else they released would, would also support it. And the iPod touch five uh, supports airdrop. So it's, it's gotta be a relatively new Wi-Fi chip, but of course the five S's and the five C's uh, iPhones will support it. So once you turn it on, uh, and I'll tell you how to turn it on in a minute. But once you enable this, then whenever someone is in a sharing menu, so if they're in pictures and they hit the little share thing that they would send to email or message, or, uh, you know, you're looking at a web page and you want to email or message, uh, something it's in that same sharing menu, the little, now it's a box with an up arrow pointing out of it. So get used to it. I suppose this is what we say. Uh, once you do that, it asks you, you have another, you have a new option in there called airdrop. And when you click it, it will show you all the local devices that are close to you. You do not have to be on the same Wi-Fi network. You don't even have to be on a Wi-Fi network because again, this uses some extra technology in the Wi-Fi chip that lets you do this. And uh, it will show you those people that have turned on airdrop uh, for receiving things. And then you can say, just send this picture to that iPhone and boom, it sends it. That doesn't go through the internet, doesn't go through iMessage, yada, yada. It's straight iPhone to iPhone stuff. Now, I'm hoping with Mavericks that that will also be iPhone to Mac, but, uh, you know, we can only hope. So, uh, but it's very interesting. And, and you get a little screen if you're in air, AirDrop recipient mode, uh, you get a little screen that pops up that says, you know, so-and-so would like to share a photo. And you see a little thumbnail of the photo and you can decline or accept at that point. So it's pretty cool. 
And uh, and I said I would tell you how to turn on airdrop the, the best way. The only way I know is to swipe up from the bottom of the screen and pull up the new iOS 7 control center. And this is something that has been talked about a lot. Obviously, Apple showed it as a demo. But uh, but in this control center, uh, you now see an airdrop option if you have it available on your device. And when you turn it on, you can set it to be well, when you tap it, you can set it to be off. You can set it to only show you to people that you have in your contacts list or you can set it to show you to everyone. Uh, I my guess, I don't know this for certain. My guess is that this will chew battery life pretty significantly. So you may not want to leave it on all the time, but uh, but it's pretty easy with that control center to just turn it on and off. So it's good stuff. I like it. Fun. I got another one, John. Yeah. Huh? OK, so uh, in Safari, you know, we have had um We've had if you click on bookmarks in Safari, you've always mm-hmm. had your bookmarks that will sync with iCloud if you've chosen to set it up that way. And then you have another tab that shows you with the little glasses and that shows you the things you have added to your reading list. And I know reading list isn't new, but if you haven't used it, it's pretty cool. You can use that when you're on any article or any Web page. You can use that same little sharing button that we talked about for AirDrop and save something to your reading list. And then that's synced across all your devices, including your Macs. And you can then go read that article at a later time. Really, actually, super handy. Uh, But now there's a third tab with a little at sign. And what that does is it pulls up all the tweets from people um, you follow on Twitter that have links in them. So you can now only you're only seeing tweets with links and you tap it and uh, and uh, um and, it, and, and then it, it brings up the link and you read the article. Again, it's only from people you follow and it's only tweets with links. Um, this is a lot like uh, James Wilson, uh, formerly of Lithium Corp. Now uh, he folded that company up because he went to work elsewhere. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. This is very similar to an app that he developed called Tweed. So uh, so I wonder if if it's some of his tech uh, that uh, that he's working on there. It would be cool if it was. I don't know that for sure. But anyway, that's that's how that uh that's how that works. It's a cool, uh, cool little thing. And I found all these things just by digging around. So, you know, click and dig and hunt and all that good stuff. I have one more, I think, John. I mean, I got a lot mm-hmm. more, but I, I have at least one more. If you go into the messages app and you go to a message that uh, you have gotten from someone else, you see the timestamps of when any given conversation started but uh, if you want to see the timestamps of the actual messages sent, put your thumb or your finger on the screen and gradually drag the screen from the right to the left, and you will slide out the timestamps of each individual message. And you can see this and scroll with it and all of that good stuff. So um, very cool and handy stuff. Isn't that cool, John? Cool. Yeah. I know. It's good stuff. It's good. You got anything else for us, John? I don't even know where we are time-wise here. Oh, we're, we're pushing time. That's good. I, I, got, I mean, I got a couple more. Uh, I kind of warn you about this, but uh, when you upgrade, but yeah, the down swipe is now the new uh, right swipe. <laughs> right? Uh, what are you talking about? Search. Oh, if you want to, yeah, if you want to get to Safari, that's right. Yeah, it's the first thing that they warn you about. Yeah, you can downswipe from any screen of your 
uh, springboard or your home screen there, as opposed to just the the leftmost screen um, giving you your search. You could be all the way over and, and just drag down and there's search. I'm still getting used to it. The weird part, I always used to get to search by tapping the home button and then tapping it again. And I still find myself doing that. I just got to get used to the fact that that doesn't bring up search anymore, but it'll mean I hit my home button less. So that's good. Or spotlight. Yes. Spotlight. spotlight. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can now put a, speaking of the home screen, you can now take Apple's newsstand and put it in a folder mm. if you want. So if you don't use it or you want it lumped in with other things, that is now permitted, which is very nice. I like it. And uh, I found a site, you know, with these new parallax wallpapers and all that stuff. Um, it's actually pretty cool. John, you'll, I think you'll appreciate it once you, we can, once you can see it. I know your four won't do it. Uh, but there is a website that I found called free iOS seven.com that, uh, that has some killer pictures that are sized perfectly for parallax wallpapers and, and backgrounds. And you can get them for the iPad or iPhone. Um, and they, they look great. You know, there's some, some nice stuff out there. So it's good. Do we have anything else on this iOS seven thing, John? Guess not. Okay. Then I'm it, sure we'll have more. Oh, of course. All right. So let's, let's run through a couple of cool things found. John, why don't you start? I was, I was chit chatting for a while here. So uh, you kick us off. We'll, we'll run through, I don't know, f- three or four or six cool stuff found and, and then we'll see you next week. But, uh, but don't worry. We're not leaving yet. Go. John. Oh, things that I found. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. Oh, like the yeah. show that I just went you to. You just went to a show. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Hey. Okay. Yes. So we'll bounce um, it back and forth. Go ahead. All right. So I got a few things that I saw at the show. The first that I saw, Dave, and actually you helped me test this out. So I've been looking for a while uh, or, or I've had people ask about uh, camera based security solutions that will work with your Mac or you know iOS or Android. Uh, and I ran into a company that they've had this out for a while, but um, I managed to uh, say the right thing and, and got a sample uh, to play with. And uh, so far, I'm very impressed. It is called Drop Cam. Wi-Fi video monitoring. Though it will also function as a regular camera, and I actually tried that out. Um, I actually plugged it in, started up QuickTime Player, and I was able to record a video with it. But the, but that's not the primary uh, use case here. The primary use case is that it will let you do video monitoring. Um, and, and actually, the out-of-box experience, I think, is kind of neat. So it's very Apple-like. Is that you open it up... Um, you know, it says, you know, made in China, designed in California. You open it up, there's a little hello sticker on the camera lens and all that here. And when you plug it in, so this is kind of the cool thing, when you plug it in, in addition to it being, you know, just a camera camera, it'll also mount the installer via USB. So I think that's a pretty nice way of going about it. I mean, their instruction card is very short. It's basically plug it in, run the app, and and it installs it. Um, and then once you install it and you configure it to log into your Wi-Fi network, uh, you can then go to a web page and uh, stream the content and see what's happening. And there are a number of things you can do. You can set it up to uh, be activated by motion events. Um, uh, It also uh, does audio. So not only can you hear what's going on, but you can also project audio. So if you see somebody doing something you don't want them to do, (laughs) whether it be the kids or the pets or whatever, you can yell at them through this device too. So I think that's very cool. Um, they also offer optionally. So that, that comes with the package here. And then what they also do is they offer a, uh, cloud recording feature. So if you'd oh. like to, uh, take what's streamed and, uh, record it, 
uh, they will do that, and they have different uh, pricing plans here. They have a one-week one for uh, or seven days worth. So they'll record seven days worth of streaming. That's nine ninety-five a month. Thirty days worth of streaming is twenty-nine ninety-five per month. Um, so you got to set this up so that when we're uh, recording the show, people can uh, people in the chat room or or wherever can can click a link and view you. I I don't. I don't see anybody wanting to do that oh you oh just you i so i no, i wouldn't want to see it i know what you look like um (laughs) but uh no i i i i would bet there are many listeners out there that would differ in fact i think we should both get these so that people can see us while uh while we're doing the show i i I think it would be good yeah it's a little the thing is if you want to invite other people so so you can either make your camera public and i'm trying to figure out how to get a list of all public cameras. Right now, if you go to their webpage, you can list uh, featured public cameras. So okay. uh, by default, it's private. And actually, you and I did this, Dave. I, I sent you an email invite, and I think I revoked it now. But uh, but I sent an invite to you, and you know, you have to sign up on their site. Okay, you know, that's kind of a pain, but I, I don't see how they could accomplish what they do without you having to sign up on their site. You know, get a get an account and. Um, but well, yeah, I think, I think if you no, 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 because um, Chris uh, Humphreys in the chat room is saying that Twit uses these and they just put them in public mode and there's they they have embedded them into their own Web page. So I think we could do exactly the same thing. Right. If we get a couple of these cameras and uh, and then we can embed them. Like, oh, all right. So it probably gives you a unique URL for the public feed. Something okay. like that. Or yeah. Or a way of of just baking it into the to the site. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I haven't seen a way to find all the publicly available ones. At right. least through their site, they don't list them all, but no, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so yeah. We'll probably, yeah. This is it. Maybe you could yeah. customize the URL for a public it, feed. Exactly. And they've got it. When I just brought up the thing quick, uh, but it, I, I see that Twit has like four cams live all the time kind of thing. So, yeah. So we'll have to, we'll mess with oh. that because that would be cool. And we, we might also need one of these because uh, I'll just say we, we might be adding another pet. Uh, perhaps a a semi um, uh, famous pet to our to our lineup Ooh. here, but we'll talk more about that oh, perhaps sweet. next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and finally, they do have, uh, and I asked them about this, and and uh, I was impressed with the answer. I'm like, well, what do you do at night? Mm. Well, it has uh, infrared uh, LEDs built into it. It'll either auto, or you can uh, manually engage the LEDs, and then it'll then blast the area with uh, infrared light, and I guess crank up the infrared sensing ability, so you can see what's happening. What 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 local critters uh four-legged or two-legged are doing that's right that they'd rather not have you see that's right so uh cool so yeah deed solution and uh how much is it here i think 149 for 149 yeah and gives you everything you need so uh cool all right uh i have i have uh, several cool stuff found things that came up this week one of them is an app that it is so i ranted i found a screenshot of mavericks um because uh, I don't know why somebody, I don't know why PC Magazine posted it, but whatever. Found a screenshot of Maverick. Uh, Mavericks has this great new thing uh, in Activity Monitor where it monitors the energy usage of each app. Not the CPU alone, not the memory alone, but the energy usage, not only in real time, but over time. And I thought, wow, how great would it be if this existed on iOS? And there are some apps that sort of try to show you this, but but they they can't because they don't. Apple doesn't give third-party developers access to this. And somebody suggested an app called Carrot, C-A-R-A-T. Now, uh, this is, it's it's a free app, okay? Uh, It is written by the very, very smart folks 
at uh, University of California, Berkeley's uh, AMP lab, AMP. I don't, I don't know what AMP stands for, but it's uh, it's from there. It's from those folks. And what it does is you launch it. Uh, they say launch it at least once a day. It takes about a week to collect enough data about your device because it can't be running in the background all the time. Maybe that will change with iOS sevens background updates mode, perhaps. Uh, and if it does, that would be even better. But it collects each time you launch it. So they say launch it once a day or, uh, you know, a couple times a day if you can. And it takes sort of a snapshot of what's going on with your phone and anonymously uploads that to their servers and then starts to aggregate this data, not only for a general stuff, but also for you specifically, and then delivers back to you after about a week. Uh, it starts delivering reports. Of, OK, these apps are hogging up your battery. These apps, you know, are, are something you should take a look at, blah, blah, blah. And uh, normally I would be sort of hesitant about something like this. But I figured since it was written by the folks at UC Berkeley, it's, it's they're probably doing some cool stuff with it in the background. Um, so uh, so we will put that in the show notes again. It's free. You just got to launch it. They say at least once a day. I've been doing it twice a day because why not? Doesn't hurt. Um, and I'm curious to see what happens. I'll report back, uh, from what I see, but you know, I'm just, it drives me crazy that I have to care about how much battery I have left on my iPhone. Uh, you know, I charge it every night that should be enough. Um, but it oftentimes is not. So some insight into what is chewing up my battery would be awesome uh, because I would alter my usage. Pretty sure the Facebook app, not the web interface, but the Facebook app is horrible at chewing up uh, battery in the background. So I've deleted that. And once you delete it, you have to reboot your phone. Otherwise, it comes back uh, or it still runs. It's like little minions in the background. But uh, I deleted the Facebook app again. I sort of go back and forth with it. Um, but uh, but that's a that's notoriously bad for your battery. But I want to see what other things do. Skype is also really bad for it. Uh, so anyway, there we are. That's good. Do you have another cool stuff found thing or am I going to my next one, John? Uh, yeah, I'll Go. do this one. The, this one is not out yet. It will be released in uh, December 2013. Okay. Uh, they, they were showing them. Uh, it's called Petzilla. And it's actually uh, similar to the drop cam in that it is a Wi-Fi based camera that also has audio. Um, and you attach it to your pet. I think probably a, uh, uh, mostly dogs. I think maybe a cat um, or anything of that general size. It's called Camzilla. Pet. Petzilla. Oh, okay. Sorry. 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 Yeah, okay. So is that just taking? Oh, uh, well, I'll look at it. I was going to say because there's this Camzilla thing that like they build the mounts for GoPro cameras. Um, so, well, but I'll, all right. Well, yeah, here's okay. the unique part of this. So you can. Uh, so you can interact with it. So it's a Wi-Fi camera, video, audio. So imagine you could talk to your. Do you have a, do you have a link it, for this thing? Because I can't find anything online. I'm really uh, P-E-T-Z-I-L-A with one com. L. Uh, Correct. Got it. Thank you. That's actually really helpful. So but go ahead. The unique feature of this. So not only does it do audio and video, which is pretty cool in of itself. And, you know, you, so you can see what your pet is seeing and. Uh, <laughs> or not your pet, uh, and talk to it, but it has a goodie dispenser. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so if your pet does something, so I can imagine you command your pet to do something, and then when it does it, you know... Uh, Maybe oh. leaves a gift on your neighbor's lawn. You give him a treat. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Though I certainly would not recommend that use case. 
Yeah, but unless it, it is an actual uh, if gift. it like goes and chases the chick, <laughs> the neighbor's chickens, which shouldn't, uh, which should be fenced in anyway. Even if your neighbor doesn't have a fence, um, they should. If your if your dog chases the chickens out of the yard, you can yeah, you can reward them. That's right. Now, does it have well, a have, zapper in it too, so that you can? You no, can, you that's can just mean negative reinforce. No, listen, do- dogs. Well, the uh, negative reinforcement know. could could be the audio. Oh, so that's true. Yeah, there you go. Dog. Right, right, yeah. right. I know a lot of. I know a lot of. Dogs, uh, especially, don't like it when their owner's unhappy. So uh, that could be, yeah. Negative or you reinforcement could, or you works could dis- with humans or you could too. Di- or you could dispense a a, 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 a terrible tasting treat. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but then you're not forcing them to eat it or anything. So yeah. right. But uh, and then we talked about, you know, I was like, oh man, if you guys could just make a smaller one, so you could put it on rodents and stuff like that. And um, oh, and even then, they they talked. Apparently, they've done you know a lot of work with uh, you know animal behavior specialists to yeah. uh, to kind of develop this thing. But it uh. Yeah, it just struck me as a really interesting device. I've seen some other pet-based ones. I think this one is unique in in the the you know in in the goodie dispensing respect. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's going to be available again in December uh, for one sixty nine. Okay, cool. That's awesome. That's great. So All maybe right. you can get one, Dave. I, I would imagine you have at least one pet that oh, you want to try this out with. Sweet mother. Okay. Yeah. Right. We've got plenty of pets here. Too many. More coming. I'm told. Getting one delivered on, uh, we're getting a lifelong pet delivered, I think, this week. So let's see what happens. So you'll be able to reveal the identity. I I believe I know who it is. I believe you do know who it is. I believe it's your fault, actually, but we'll leave it at that. I may have suggested it as a, uh, oh my, well, you didn't have to take my suggestion. Uh, yeah, but I'm going to give you. But now, Dave, I am going to give you a suggestion. And that if you want to get in touch with us via email, you want to send an email to feedback at macgeekab.com. Did you say feedback at macgeekab.com? Your hearing is outstanding, my I friend. Know. Yes, I said feedback at macgeekab.com. That's awesome. Uh, and so that's an address that everyone can use. If you are part of, uh, if you are a premium MacGeekab supporter at any level, uh, as long as you've, you know, contributed somewhat recently, uh, we really appreciate it. You know, really, if you've contributed at all in the last year, we consider you a premium member. Uh, we really appreciate it. And, uh, so you can, you can find out all about that at MacGeekab.com. Uh, if you are one of those contributors, you can use the premium at MacGeekab.com email address. And that does get prioritized. Again, we say it all the time. We try to get through everything. And for the most part, we succeed. Uh, but it does sometimes take us a little time to get through the regular uh, queue. We do prioritize the premium stuff because you're the folks that are going above and beyond uh, and helping us keep the lights on. Everybody helps us keep the lights on because you hear our sponsors and you check that stuff out and we think it's great. Uh, but for those of you that do go above and beyond, we go a little bit above and beyond for you too. So premium at MacGeekab.com. And and if you you know if you contribute enough, then you you get the gifts. And we just finished. I think most people have gotten their uh, their Mackie Cab water bottles now, which uh, I'm really stoked about. It's, uh, everybody seems to love them. I certainly love love mine. So it's good stuff. Yes. You can call us at two zero six 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 Geek. That's the same number for everyone. John and Geek is four three three. Five. You bet it is. Uh, there's more. There go. are other ways, Dave. There's Facebook. Facebook.com slash MacGeekAd, where you will see when we will be doing the next show. Uh, and we have a wall. Uh, I will post when I complete the lovingly handcrafted show notes. Um, 
So check out Facebook, and then there's the uh, there's the Twitters. There is the Twitters. Twitter. Uh, Twitter.com slash Matt Geekab is the show. Twitter.com slash John F. Braun is him. Twitter.com slash uh, Mac Observer is the feed from TMO with all the headlines and some discussion there. And Twitter.com slash Dave Hamilton is me. Uh, what else do we have here? I think that's it. You can visit us. Uh, I believe we're here again next Sunday morning, uh, Eastern Time, 9.45 a.m.-ish at yep. MacKeekUp.com slash um. stream. Yes, John? <laughs> I, iTunes comments, if you can find where to make them in the latest release. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we like the iTunes comments. I, I'm sure they moved it again. Of and yeah, it helps. Uh, yes. And it, <laughs> and it helps get us on the... Helps get us on the charts, which uh, when we get on the charts, that's getting you on the charts, yeah. right? Yeah, totally. Because it helps grow our our, uh, our our family here. Yes, it is. All right, I got to pull back up the agenda here. No, it's good. We really we do appreciate those. Okay, uh, we also appreciate the hard work that Michael Johnston puts in every week. He converts this show and adds all the chapters for us. Uh, he is also the host of the We Have Communicators podcast, uh, a great show about iOS, and also the publisher of GetAppler.com. So check that out. Cashfly is uh, is also someone we'd like to thank. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com provides all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you, and we really appreciate that. They put the show all over the world, so that it's always sitting on a server close to you. Um, in addition to that, all our sponsors in the podcast marketplace this month, Barebones Software, Smile Software, uh, Gazelle. Yep, they, uh, they, they'll take your, take your used iPhones. Squarespace.com with coupon code MGG9 for 20% off. And, uh, and of course, FileTransporter.com, coupon code MGG. Drink lots of water uh, out of your new water bottles because, as uh, as somebody said in the chat room, who was it? As a vanisher says in the chat room, if, if you drink lots of water, you won't get caught. Made up. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. We'll see you next week.